0: Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. If you think about being a dad, uh, it really is one of the greatest privileges, one of the greatest opportunities to make an eternal difference in the life of another. You'll see some pictures up here. I remember when Isabella was my little princess. I remember playing with dolls with her, playing with her kitchen as we would chop the little vegetables and the Velcro together, and playing with her kitty house, uh, replaying the, the last scene from Cinderella over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And now, she's a teenager. Woo! She has survived 13 years of me being her father. That's a miracle. <laughs> and my boys, it seemed like they were so small for so long, right? I, I mean, it just seems like for so long, we would play with Legos. We'd play with these cars, these shake go cars. And we'd wrestle, and now they'd probably beat me up uh, if we wrestled. But they've turned from these short little kids into <laughs> these guys, muddy warriors of God, <laughs> It is. It's an awesome opportunity to pour into the lives of others. And if you're not a dad, if you're not even a male, we have opportunities every single day, don't we? We have opportunities that God has placed into our lives, and these opportunities can either be seized or they could be let pass by. You know, my hope is that by the end of this message, your spirit is stirred up and your spirit is encouraged to take advantage of the opportunities God places in your way each and every day. You know, as a pastor, I see these opportunities. They come and they go very quickly. As a husband, I have the same opportunities with my wife. As a dad, I have opportunities every day with my children. But even as a son, I've also been given opportunities over the years to make an impact on my father. My father went to be with Jesus almost five years ago. This August, it'll be five years So the day he passed away, it was it was quite a significant uh, day for me. Uh, Many of you know, just because I've shared you know different stories about him before. He had multiple sclerosis, and his health declined uh, as I got older. So I wasn't able to interact with him as a lot of uh, sons are able to interact with their fathers. But we were able to still share a very good relationship, conversations late into the night Uh, when I was in late elementary, middle school, high school, just about the Lord, about the Bible. I remember first hearing about the rapture, I was in sixth grade and I was like scared to death. I was like, how is this going to happen? Like we're going through the book of Revelation, probably a little bit too young than I should have been. But it was just great, great conversations with my father. But he had contracted uh, pneumonia, so he went into the hospital and he was there for a few days and we were able to to visit and have a good conversation. And then he went into ICU and they were treating him uh, with just some different things with his lungs. But then the very next day after that, I got a phone call, I was coming into work, got a phone call, I believe it was from my mother and my sister, that I needed to make it into the, the hospital quickly. So when we got there, we realized uh, that as soon as they would take him off the ventilator, he was gonna pass away, his, his health had just declined uh, very quickly. I remember, I mean, just thinking through this and, and it appeared that he was non-responsive at that time, you know, his eyes were closed and, and we were around him, we prayed, we committed him to the Lord and we were talking to his family members and, and he wasn't like responding or anything, And the Lord shared with me, uh, one of the things that I I did learn growing up is his father was a hard worker. Uh, He was a World War II veteran, suffered through with very little through the Great Depression. And he wasn't necessarily a man that would tell my father that he was proud of him or that he loved him. They didn't really converse that way. And the Lord told me to go over to my dad. And again, I didn't think he was responsive at all. He told me to tell my father that I was proud of him. He was like, I want you to tell him that you are proud of him. And I'm like that's weird, like, I'm proud of my dad. Um, and, I, and I was proud of him. And, and he was encouraging me, and I, like, got nervous, because, like, him and I, we didn't really talk about that kind of stuff either. We like, I love you, Dad? Like, that kind of stuff. And there were a lot of, uh, uh, several family members and a few friends that were coming in and out, and I was, like, nervous to tell him. And the Lord kept prompting me, go ahead and tell him and tell him. And I really felt like the Lord wanted my father to hear another man tell him that he was proud of him on this side of eternity before the heavenly father would tell him face to face that he was proud of him. So I went over to my father and I laid my my head next to his pillow and there were some few people and I just started whispering. I was like, dad, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for being my dad. I love you so much. You did it. You did a great job. I'm so proud of you. God's proud of you. And I'm just whispering. I'm pouring my heart out to him as quiet as I can. And out of nowhere, I hear, thank you. And it scared me. I was like nervous. I was like, I didn't know if you could really hear me. So then I'm like nervous. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm like, man, you don't usually talk this way. And now I like pour my heart out and you heard me. And, he, and, and I looked up and his eyes were open. He was like, thank you. And it was like touched my heart so much. I'm, like, yeah, I got to tell my dad I was proud of him for all the things that he had done in my life and the conversations that we had and the things, you know, things that we were able to experience together. And I really feel like the Lord showed me that day that he gave me such an opportunity of a lifetime that was less than probably an hour and a half before he came, he went to be with Jesus face to face. Now that opportunity was going to come and pass by regardless if I took advantage of it. And oh, am I so happy I took advantage of that. And not even for my own sake, it brought me fulfillment It made me connect with him But to know that another man heard from another man's voice, I am proud of you. And God wanted that to happen. Now, each one of us, again, have opportunities every single day. And I actually believe it's normal for Christians to take advantage and seize opportunities as God gives them to us. And I believe it's not just normal to seize the opportunities. I actually believe it's normal to expect supernatural results. Now, we're not always going to see those things, right? Male or female, we're not always gonna see the results happen, but I know within 90 minutes of my father going to be with the Lord, something supernatural happened in his heart. I'm extremely confident of that. We might not see the results, but it's normal for us to take advantage of what God puts in our way and expect him to do the supernatural. Did you know then it's actually abnormal For a Christian to pass up an opportunity that God gives us. It's abnormal to pass up somebody who's in need and not pray with them or minister to them or encourage them. The life of Jesus was to stop when God gave him an opportunity and seize that moment. The life in the early church was to stop and seize every moment that was given to them. If you look just in the book of Acts that you've read so far, I think we're up through the halfway through chapter 7, in fact, chapter seven—you've read it. You read the first half on Friday, if I remember correctly, and then um, tomorrow we're going to read the second half. I would encourage you—if you're—if you're confused about the Old Testament or you just don't understand the flow—Stephen does such a great job of summarizing the entire Old Testament in one sermon. So if you're—if you were reading through it with the lenses of this man, you know he's about to get martyred. He's about to get killed for his faith. Reread that first half before you read the second half with the lenses of the Old Testament on, you'll learn a lot about the Old Testament just in that one chapter. But if you look at the early church, they went to Jerusalem, they seized that opportunity, they prayed, and God responded by filling them with power. They met daily in authentic relationship, and God added to their numbers daily, right? These are opportunities they seized. They seized the opportunity to take communion and build faith and remembrance of what God did, and he responded by performing signs and wonders, In fact, they took the opportunity to sell their property. We talked about this last week. And give money to those who were in need. And God provided supernatural results because it says in Acts chapter 4 that there was no needy people among them. Now, by the time we get just to Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to camp out. And we won't always preach where your reading plan is. We're going to get through Acts and then we're going to focus on different areas on Sundays. We actually see the church starting to seize opportunities outside of the family of God, not just within the family of God. And this is really where it gets exciting, right? It starts to become a little bit more adventurous because we start to see even persecution. We start to see believers scattered, but their life gets more and more exciting as they take advantage of these opportunities. In fact, I do think that the level of willingness you have to seize God-given opportunities will equal the level of adventure you have in your walk with Jesus. If you pass up opportunities in your life, your life will be boring. How many of you agree with that? Well, Jesus, God doesn't even do anything exciting with me. He doesn't, you know, it's kind of just boring. I follow him. I pray. I read. No, you're passing up opportunities of adventure every single day if your life is boring. He absolutely We'll put people in your place who need hope, who need encouragement, and who need a miracle if you just open up your eyes and say, God, show me where I can minister. We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights as well. I would encourage you to make that a priority all the way through the end of July. We'll continue to go deeper those nights. If you look at Acts chapter three, I'm gonna read a few verses at a time. You've already read this if you're going with our plan, but you know this story, a a quick overview. There's a man who was crippled from birth, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They see the man ministering to him. He gets healed. There's evidence that he got born again then. And then it follows through into the next chapter. Peter and John end up in prison uh, for preaching the good news. They get let out. They end up in a prayer meeting where God fills them with the Holy Spirit once again. Going through this just a few verses at a time here. In verse 1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. A man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. Now, I want you to see this. Peter and John were not on an outreach. They didn't get brochures that said turn or burn from their church, and then they were going out to say, if you would die today, would you, you know, go to heaven or hell? As they were going about their daily life, headed to the temple, they saw a man who was in need. Now, I think this is key. We do send teams out several times a month to go and minister on Friday nights to go and pray for the sick. We have outreaches like VBS. We have an outreach in two weeks to Washington Estates. We believe God's going to work through those opportunities. I just want you to see here, this was normal life right? So we don't want you to think that you're just ministering the gospel when you're doing a church event. Hey, sign up to be a Christian here. No, 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 no. You're already a Christian. You're signing up for an outreach event, but it was in their daily life as they were headed to the temple, they saw this need and they stopped and gave attention to it. In verse three, it says, when, Pete, when, when he saw Peter and John were about to enter, he asked them for money. So Peter looked and said, no, thank you, and walked into the temple and says, I have to go spend time with God, right? God's a priority. I don't have time for you now, maybe later. Is that what he did? Absolutely not. He's headed to be with the Holy One. This is important. He's headed there for a time of prayer. This is dedication. It's commitment. It's on their regular daily schedule. It was an appointment that they held very strictly, Even though they were Christians, they were still following some of the Jewish ways of prayer. But it says Peter stopped here and he says, Peter looked straight at him. New Living Translation says he looked at him intently. I believe it's the NASB that says he fixed his gaze on him. And Peter said, look at us. this, This verse strikes me because I find this in my own life is when I'm in a conversation with somebody, A lot of times, like, I'll I'll glance and see where other people are walking or, oh, geez, God forbid the phone buzz in your pocket and you're pulling that out or you haven't checked your, your Facebook page in a little bit. And what happens is in our society, we're not fully engaged anymore. So I think it's important, like, when you're reading through a Bible plan, you could just fly through this. No, they were headed somewhere. They had an appointment to be at. And they stopped and they looked intently at him. Peter gazed into his eyes and gave him his full attention. Now, I know timeliness is a huge value in this society. I love being early or on time. I hate being late. But one of the things I learned in studying for my ordination through a missions course, through cross-culturally, the major difference of why Americans miss God-given opportunities is because we are in a rush to get somewhere When the rest of the world, not all, but a lot of the rest of the world is willing to spend time with someone. I'm sorry I'm late. I need to get to an appointment. I need to get to my meeting. My boss will be mad at me. It's all getting somewhere and we're in a rush and we can't stop because they'll be mad and this and that. And most of the other country, I mean, I read read about in other countries how they could be two, not hours, not even two minutes, two days late for a meeting Two days later, this is a missions book. They're talking about real, real businesses in a lot of the other world. What happened on your way here? Well, I met this family and they invited me into their house and we spent several days with each other and we, you know, da, 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 da. da. I believe if we would trust God that our doctor's not gonna be mad at us, that our boss isn't gonna fire us, that bad things won't happen if we just stop and make God's divine appointments our priority. Our life would be such more of an adventure. We would see God move in so many brand new ways. And I am preaching to myself. I like keeping my appointments and I like going places fast, that's why I drive, is to get here, here, as quick as possible while following the speed limit most of the time. (laughs) But I wanna get places, I wanna do things. And that's what a lot of Americans do, right? when you look at it, it's, it's cultural. We just have to break the mindset that our clock is in charge of us. Or when our phone goes off, like Pavlov's dogs, right? It goes off and now, now we're here. No, we need to start looking intently at the person who is in need and stop and trust that God is going to work our schedule out. If anybody agrees with that, would you say Amen. I believe in these opportunities. There are two coexisting uh, convictions that are held with intention, with within tension. The first is this: I will never get this specific opportunity again. That's a conviction that we need to have. And the second is is that God will continue to give me new opportunities. Now, do you do you feel? Can you feel how those two opposing convictions can actually work? coexisting in the same God-given opportunity. Think about it. There's a conviction that God will never give you this specific opportunity again, so you should obey the Holy Spirit when he gives it to you. In the Bible, it says, today is the day of salvation, not the next time you see them or the next time or the next time. There's an urgency that when God puts a divine opportunity in your life, that it should be seized. You know, God does a lot of work behind the scenes to put a person in the right mood, the right day that they've already had, the right responsiveness to talk to you, and their heart set up all for you to walk right to that or, you know, get out of your car and you're in that gas station and you see something in their eyes and you're like, I'm already late for work. I'm just going to give them my credit card this time, maybe next time, maybe next time. We have to hold the conviction that that specific moment in time will never happen again. Yes, you'll see them again. Yes, you'll have the opportunity to minister again, but all of the elements, all of the things that put together the recipe of that moment will not return. Fathers, this is like a really good reality to keep, now knowing that my daughter has one more year and then into high school. I'm with her for five more years. I'm like, where did the first 13 go? Fathers and mothers alike, husbands and wives. If you're single, opportunities that you have with your your friends, family members, and so on. We get, and time is ticking. I'm not saying to walk around nervous and anxious and feeling pressure. I'm just saying we have to realize He's put a divine moment in your life, and we should not pass that by. You know, the great part about that, the positive side of this, it's not meant to scare you or anything. It's meant to say, you know what, I'm gonna take this moment with joy and with seriousness. And I know if I minister to somebody, if I pray with them, if I just encourage them, whatever I do, if any of their heart opens up to the Lord more than it was before, then the kingdom of God has advanced in their life because the kingdom has come closer to their heart, right? So you don't don't have to walk away from the gas station upset because the attendant didn't give his life to the Lord right then, no, no. You should say, I did what the Holy Spirit was saying. I'm going to leave the rest up to the Lord. You know, just a a little bit over a week ago, I saw a a kid, we hung out with some high school buddies. uh, Yeah, a little bit over a week ago. And one of them, he was just making some comments uh, about himself and about his life and so on. And the Lord really strung up or uh, stirred up inside of me some things about him. And I was nervous because it's like just a a bunch of high school buddies. There's two out of the entire group that are born again. And Uh, The rest of them, they're far from God. And the Lord shared some things with me and uh, I went into the restroom. I was just walking around the the hotel, or not the hotel, the uh, restaurant a little bit. And I was a little bit nervous. I'm like, how do I minister to to this? Because God's showing me he's confused about his identity. He's confused. He's not the person who he says he is. He's not the dad who he says he is. He's just confused about his identity. So I started thinking and so on. And I just sat down and I just started speaking life into him without using that. You didn't bring out a Bible. I wasn't using the name Jesus but I was just saying, listen. I feel like the Lord's showing me that you're confused about your identity. That you aren't who the person. You aren't the person who you serve. And I just started to minister to him, and it was funny. Another uh, one right next to him who isn't born again. He was giving him advice from like the worldly point of view, and we're kind of just giving him different advice. I'm just like Holy Spirit, have your way, you know, with the whole situation. Uh, so I just started praying. I called him, left a message about some other things the Lord was sharing on my heart about him. And then just this morning, uh, during my prayer time, it was right at the end of my prayer time, he texted me back, thanks thanks for your prayers. Uh, You know, I appreciate the concern. He ended up making a big decision that he was afraid to make. And then I just texted more that the Lord was given to me today. Now, I don't know what he's doing this morning. I don't know where he is. I just know the Holy Spirit has a wide open field to minister to that he didn't have just a week ago. Now, that opportunity... I I haven't seen him for 10, over maybe 15 years. I might not see him for another 15 years. But it's the privilege that we have to take opportunities and seize them. That second conviction is this. God will continue to give me new opportunities to step out in faith, right? The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Dale Brawler and Teresa shared last Wednesday night, but Dale said something that really stuck with me. He said, God knows you well enough to know where you are. So God knows we're gonna miss it sometimes. God knows that we're going to mess up. God knows we're gonna say things and people are gonna look at us like, you have three eyes. Like, Jesus, they're gonna think we're weird because we reached out and we were awkward and we were nervous and all that kind of stuff. As long as we walk with humility and we walk knowing that God is, is empowering us and God is speaking to us, but if we're operating in, in integrity and humility and in love and we connect with them relationally, and they're gonna honor what you're trying to do even if they don't receive your ministry. They'll honor your motive even if they don't receive your ministry. And even if you're rejected, you know you obeyed God. You know, as a father, maybe you are hoping for a second chance with your children. Maybe some of you have children that you know, have, have moved out and just you didn't have a good relationship. I want you to just camp out on that verse. God's mercies are new every morning. There's always an opportunity for restoration. There's always an opportunity for a family to come back together, no matter how broken, how far apart it is. Let the Lord stir up faith in you today that you would be one with your children once again. Back in Acts chapter three, verse five, it says, the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. How many of you know if you actually, if you're on your way somewhere and you actually stop and give someone your full attention, they'll actually expect something from you. That's a good thing because so many other people have passed him by. Every day he went to the temple to beg and beg. Think of the thousands of people who passed him by. And now God leads Peter and John to stop and fix their eyes on him. And he is now expecting something. And I'm saying when you stop and you seize a God-given opportunity, people's hearts will open. They'll actually say, wait a minute, this one's different. They actually stopped, and they're paying attention to me. It's a moment in time where the Holy Spirit can actually activate their faith, and they don't even know you're a Christian yet. Some, there's an expectation. I'm going to get some of my needs met. Now, of course, he thought he was going to get money. In verse 6, it says, Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. Listen, We don't need to have all the answers, we don't need to have all the solutions, we don't need to fake it and think we have it all together. Peter's like, I actually don't have what you need. I ain't got the cash that you want. But what I have, I give to you, right? Freely we've received, so we freely give. See, a lot of times we get so nervous because we're like, I haven't memorized all the scriptures in the Roman road. I haven't done this. I haven't done, I've only been a Christian for this long. How could I minister? What if I mess up? What if I do this? What if I do that? Don't try to have it all together. Just admit it to yourself. I don't have it all together. Holy Spirit, I need you. I'm just another Christian full of the Holy Spirit that sees somebody who's in need. I'm gonna give them what I have. So that might just be a word of encouragement. It might be physical money. It might be a prayer. It might be sharing your testimony, which we're gonna learn about this Wednesday. It might be sharing about the saving power of Jesus. It might be that you babysit their kid in a few weeks. It could be anything. Don't limit the Holy Spirit, but don't pretend that you have something that you don't either. Be honest, be real, be authentic, and let the Holy Spirit flow. So in the second half of verse six, it says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Walk. See, Peter knew the power that he had and he had already performed miracle signs and wonders. He'd seen Jesus do it and he received the authority and the power to carry it on. It says, taking him by his right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. See, now the Bible says we're co-laborers with God, right? So from our obedience springs forth results. It's not us doing it, right? It's us walking with the Holy Spirit. I love what he does. He doesn't just say in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Go ahead. What's he do? He does something natural. He commands healing, but then he does something in the natural to help encourage the guy's faith, and he grabs his hand and actually helps him up. We've used the term naturally supernatural before. We talk about it as a pastoral team and a ministry team often. This is what naturally supernatural is. I'm not just going to get all spiritual on you and then see if you have it enough together to get up. I'm gonna command sickness to be gone and then I'm gonna take you by your hand and help you up. When did the miracle happen? At the time he commanded it? When when were his ankles healed? As he was getting up. So he was being assisted in this miracle happening. It wasn't Peter performing the miracle, it was Jesus all the way. But Peter co-labored with God and saw something supernatural. Look at what happened. The man jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. It says, then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. We've talked about this before, how walking, that's evidence that there's a physical miracle that took place. Jumping, there has to be some type of emotional deliverance. You usually don't see a sad guy doing this. I'm miserable, right? You wouldn't see that. Something in his soul got stirred up. His emotions were healed that day and he was praising God. The man was born again. The man was giving honor and glory to who actually performed that miracle. There's such a variety that's happening here. We think we know what's going to happen. God knows what's going to happen. Maybe his body will get healed. Maybe it won't. Maybe his emotions will get touched. Maybe it won't. Maybe he'll get born again. Maybe he, it won't. We know it's the will of God for his body, his soul, and his spirit to all be renewed I don't know why it doesn't happen all the time. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to grow in faith and believe for the supernatural. If he doesn't get healed or doesn't get saved or doesn't get emotionally renewed, we don't walk away and say, it must not have been God's will. We say, God, I believe you want that man restored. Help me to grow in faith. Help me to see differently. Help me to see deeper into his soul. Help me to minister to him with more effectiveness and efficiency. We don't walk in guilt. We don't walk in shame. Right, We walk under the love of the Father who says, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for trying. I'm proud of you for ministering. I'm proud of you for advancing the kingdom of God. And we don't know what's happening when that person lays down at night. They're all by themselves, and then God has a chance to deal with that individual. That's what I'm saying. When we, when we simply give somebody $5 and you simply encourage the person at the grocery store, you are advancing the kingdom. You can actually expect something supernatural to happen. I know that that, that word makes us nervous sometimes, supernatural. Is that going to be mystical? Is it going to be weird? No, supernatural, beyond the natural, greater than the natural, further than we can do on our own. Can you heal anybody? No. Can you restore anybody's soul? No. Can you actually save anybody? No. Jesus does that all. So any ministry you're doing, you're just walking as an empty vessel who's died to their self. You're letting Jesus flow through you. And when results happen, those aren't up to you. Do you actually know? Well, all we're responsible for is stewarding what we've been given to give away. We just have to become better stewards. Father, what have you given me today to give away? I've given you a ride for your neighbor. Go ask them. And you go ask them, like, oh my goodness, my car just broke down yesterday. How did you know? Did you see me fixing my car? No, I was actually praying to the Lord this morning. What have you given me today to give away? And he told me to come and give you a ride. How much of it, like how much more fun would life be if we operated this way? God, what have you given me today to give away? I'm not gonna try to give away anything that I don't have. Whatever you've given me in the spirit or the natural, I'm going to obey and I'll leave the results to you. Because even though I ministered to to my classmate last Saturday, and then I called him uh, and and left a message, and then I texted him even more details today, I was still a little bit nervous this morning. What if he responds back with like an expletive or like a thanks, but quit sending me all this weird stuff? I mean, the thought came into my head. As soon as I hit the little arrow on my iPhone, I'm like, oh, what's he going to say back? I'm I'm getting a little bit more aggressive now. And I'm just reminded again, like, hey, I'm going to preach a message on this. I probably shouldn't be nervous anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just a reminder to me is that God can have his way wherever he goes today. I've done what I was supposed to do. I've done in the natural. We trust God for the supernatural. Even when I write less notes, I still preach all the way through. Okay, we'll finish up soon. Uh, In in verse eight, it says, then he went with them into the temple courts. I love this. Is this man gets touched by God and he doesn't run home. He doesn't go and tell all these other people. He goes with Peter and John into the temple courts. What were the temple courts? That's where the, the temple was where the presence of God was. So I love what this is. He ministers to them. Peter ministers to this man and then actually comes with them, walks with them into where the presence of God is. So there's relationship there. So when you minister to people, you can actually encourage them to come to church. We understand that the presence of God isn't in a building anymore, but he'll learn about worship. The person will learn about the word of God being preached and taught, and you stay connected with them in relationship. In fact, I want this to be so practical. On the left side of every single one of your pews, there's circles that are in um, rubber bands. The first person can take the rubber band off. I want you to take one of those and pass it down, if you run out of them, then there's a pew before you or behind you that would probably have an extra one. These are simple invite cards to the church. It can be as easy as this. You really know you're supposed to minister to someone, but you don't know what to say, and you're nervous, and you've, you, maybe you started a conversation, you're not sure where it's gonna go, then you can just give them this and say, hey, I go to Central Assembly of God, I'd love to have you with us sometimes, let's just see what God wants to do in your life, Period. So it's a challenge and it's a resource all in one. You have one card, maybe even by next Sunday, you'll give it away to somebody that you've been wanting to start a conversation with or maybe a waitress or a waiter at a restaurant that you've wanted to minister to, you just didn't know how to do it. It's a very simple resource. You can just give to somebody, I'd love to have you. Give them your phone number, let let them connect with you if they're gonna come sometime. See what God will do in their life. Verses 9 through 11, it says that the people were astonished and amazed. And in verse 12, it says, when Peter saw this, he said to them. Now, I love in the New Living Translation, it says, when Peter saw his opportunity, he addressed the crowd. Second opportunity here. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? He's like, why are you guys surprised? This is the God we've been talking about. It's not us. It's him, and he, he, he immediately gives glory to God for the good work that has happened. But what I want you to see here is that Peter and John, because they seized an opportunity with one person, guess what he gets to do now? He gets to preach in front of the entire crowd. Guess who's in the temple courts? Hundreds of Jews who don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Guess what happens after that? If, you, if you're a part of the reading plan, you'll see in the next chapter, he gets put in prison and gets to preach to them too. And then they get nervous. They don't know what to do with them. They let them go. And then the result is they're filled up more with power. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit again after that. I want you to see, the Bible says it in different places, through different parables. Those who are faithful with little will be faithful in much. And it, at one opportunity with one person led him to preach to prison guards in the Sanhedrin that he would have never had the opportunity to preach to had he not taken advantage. Well, wait, am I, is this going to get me put in prison? I don't know. I said it's going to be an adventure. I'm not saying it's always going to feel like a pay raise. <laughs> right? Persecution breaks out. Stephen gets stoned to death. I'm not saying it's all like an amusement ride. I'm saying it's an adventure for Jesus. In fact, they were glorifying God and they were happy. Later on in Acts, it says that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. That's far from the American dream. But that's an adventure with Jesus. So I, I do believe if you just say yes to Jesus, the next opportunity you get, don't pass that one up, but he's gonna give you more and more and more. And as you're faithful with little, he will open your influence to be able, it might not be preaching to thousands of people. What I'm saying is you'll be able to minister in a deeper way. You'll listen to him more. You'll grow in your faith and you'll continue to excel in your ability to listen and minister. In verse 16, it says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. He goes back and says, it's all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus. He didn't say it was the way I commanded it, It didn't say it was the way I picked him up, it was all about Jesus. To close our service today, I'm gonna ask Josh Vargo to come up. Josh is a technical sergeant in the United States Air Force. He works on KC-135 aircraft fuel systems, which you can see up there. He fixes and he repairs them and he also trains National Guardsmen to do the same. He was recently away for seven weeks in Wichita, Kansas, at an Air Force base, where he felt before uh, leaving that he was truly supposed to step out of his comfort zone. So I've asked him just to share, uh, So it's not somebody that's on staff here, it's not another pastor, just a person who's serving God, wanting to step out and seize the opportunity. And I believe he's just going to stir your faith today. Why don't we welcome Josh this morning?
1: Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to you. So this is definitely me stepping out in faith. I can tell you this is the first Sunday I've ever stood in front of the church to talk about how God has done some amazing things in my life lately. Uh, so before I left, yeah, I was spending, I had to go back to school to get trained on a new job that I was doing. And me going away is, we're used to it. That's my job, that's how me and my family go. But there was just something different about this time. I'm like, I can't believe I'm going back to school 14 years to the same place to go get trained on a job that I could have just easily got a waiver for. But there was there was a reason why I had to go there this time. And the Sunday before I left, usually this Sundays before I leave, I, I look at my wife and I'm like, okay, I need to go down. Let's go down front and pray just for you to be safe and me be good while I go away, but there was something else different, just tugging on my heart. So we come down front. I look at Pastor Don. and I said, "I'm going back to school, but there's a reason for it, and I just I want God to use me, and I just want to be obedient to Him." I I, I that's why I wanted to declare in my life. I I just wanted prayer over that, and I wanted I wanted to see that happen. I wanted to start growing. It was. So we prayed and I was like, okay, I declared it. I'm going off to tech school. So I drive down and first Sunday was Easter Sunday for me. So I just walk in, I sit down, I sit beside some people and we have our sermon. And I was like, man, I'm loving this worship group. I'd like to be a part of that. So I, 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 afterwards they have their Easter Sunday. They all meet and had their lunch and I'm sitting there eating lunch, and talking to people and I'm getting ready to walk out and I'm like, well, yeah, I'd like to worship. I was supposed to be I need to do something with that. But I was like, Well, she's back there talking, they're still eating, they're real busy. So I start walking out and I get to the front door and I'm like, I hear it. I'm like, Josh. I'm like, Yep, I declared it. Lord, I said I needed you to use me, and I said I was gonna be obedient to you. So I walk back walk, walk back in to the what they're church was there, it was called the Solid Rock Cafe. And that was where the contemporary services were on Sunday. So I walked back in and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be obedient. You got the reins, God, show me what you want. So I'm walking and I, I look up front and I just see a young man, every sitting in the front row all by himself. And I was like, God, this is all new to me. (laughs) Just take me and see what, I'm going to see what you want here. So I go up front and I, I see him sitting there and his hands are in his, his heads in his hands. And he just, I look at him, I go, Hey man, but is there anything I can do for you? Are you okay? What's, what's going on? And his name was Adam. And he looks up at me and he goes, I just found out my mother got diagnosed for the fourth time with cancer today. And he's only three weeks away from school and he's confused and has no idea what to do. And I said, And from here on out, there's none of my words coming out. And I just look at him and go, well, I believe in the healing power of God. So let's just sit down here and pray. And I believe that God's going to touch your life and your mother's life and do a miraculous thing. So I sat and prayed with him. And I can't tell you what I said because they weren't my words. And I get done and I'm like, wow, God, you're good. I was like, "I I mean, today is Father's Day. Just think how your children do stuff for you, and you just, and think about it when they do it, and you're a father, and you look down, and you're just, man, am I proud of you. I just, that, at that moment, it became like a new, it was a fire. It was a new addiction. It was like, man, God, I, I, I really did what you wanted to me to do right there, and I was like, all right, let's keep it going, (laughs) and so now I get done and praying with him, and This man's in the worship group. He plays guitar. I didn't see him. So he goes and introduces me to the worship leader. Next thing you know, all right, every Sunday, I'm on the worship team. We're singing. We're good. And given my position, I'm kind of an authority figure, and I go into class during a normal week. And so now there was a couple kids in my class there, and they saw me up there singing. So now I know, oh, they're watching me and it's not me that they're watching it's I. It maybe clicking my head it's like hey I need to show them how that Jesus' love radiates through me and I want to show them what it's like to be a person in the military that there's so many things going on that I don't I can just walk in God and be a loving person to other people and I don't have to walk around and preach and it's just how I am and how I carry myself. So then I got that going. I was like, okay, I got got it, Lord. I call call Amanda. I was like, you're not going to believe what happened today. So I'm telling her all these things. And then a couple weeks go by and I'm just worship group and just asking to be used. And there's a young girl there and she was there for probably three and a half months. She only had a couple weeks left. And she goes, she decided she wanted to be baptized and water baptized and rededicate herself to Jesus. Well, there was only a chaplain and his assistants, and she was all by herself and she had no one there with her. So I called him and I was like, hey, this young girl wants to dedicate her life to Jesus, be water baptized. What do you think? I was like, I feel like I should be there to support her and say, Hey, congratulations. I'm here to watch you rededicate yourself and say, I'm getting ready to take a new walk with God. And she's like, I don't care what you're doing. Make sure you are there for that girl that is dedicating herself. So I go there, and that was another opportunity God gave me. And then the last Sunday, I was there. I'm just up front worshiping, and I'm up on the stage. And I was like, I, I put the mic down. and I said, I just have to go down front. And just, I fell down on my knees and I said, Thank you, God. Thank you for using me. And thank you for your will be done, be doing. Your will being done through me, and that I'm just a vessel. And I'm there and I'm just thanking him because, oh, is he awesome? And there's a young man that comes down and he's just right beside me. And I look and I'm like, okay, that's why I'm down here. And I would lean over, I'm like, hey, man, what's your name? And he's like, Nick. And I'm like, what's going on, Nick? And he's like, my uh, grandfather's in the hospital. And then my sister has been having severe headaches. And then there it comes again. Oh, I believe in the healing power of God. Let's just pray over your family and miraculous things are going to happen. So boom, there we go. And we, we prayed. And it's amazing because this is not like something where I just went down there and this happened. Like this is, I have been, as you get older as a father and you watch your kids grow up, yeah, I, need to lead not just my kids but there's other people I'm an authority figure for that I need I want them to see how I'm living too let me be able to teach somebody and really this all started back like when I started the Men 33 series I'm not going to lie like that was when that first initial fire started and I know Jason's seen it because there was a time where I was facing at work to where I was like man I have no idea what to do and then just when I heard that definition of authentic manhood, to accept responsibility, reject passivity, lead courageously and invest internally, that, like, boom, hit in my heart. And I was like, all right, this is the way I need to go. This is the way the Lord's leading me. I know how I want my kids to grow up. I know what I would like to see done for them because now I know what the Heavenly Father wants for me. This is where he's leading me. So I just... Honestly, I just thank him, and I I'm just so thankful that I could share this with you today. And this is totally out of the norm. And I'm just so thankful that I could share this with you all today. Happy Father's Day. Keep it
0: going, right? Why don't you stand at this time? I would say the average definition of a great day in the American life is that everything went as planned. And that is abnormal Christianity. What if it actually became normal for us at the end of the day to sit and say, you know, my day went nothing like I planned. But I got to meet somebody new and encourage them and I got to pray with somebody and I got to minister here and I got to share my testimony. I mean, what if our days were filled with that. And we would think it's like a crazy adventure. And then as we read Acts, we'll get to the point that, wait a minute, this is normal Christianity. One thing that I noticed in my life, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you, it hit me this morning too. It's Father's Day, and then you start, you know, you know remembering things and so on. But it, it hit me today is some memories of mistakes started popping back up. And the Lord, showed me very clear, even for whoever you are, man, woman, child, whatever, here today, is that you will miss future opportunities as long as you let missed opportunities stay within a cycle of guilt and condemnation. You'll say, oh, I'm gonna do better next time. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. You put it in your own self-will and it's not going to work because you'll go out and you'll try to do it in your own power just to get over the guilt of the past and the devil will just remind you that you messed up one more time. So I really feel like at the end of today, I just want to wipe the slate clean. There is absolutely no benefit for you to walk in guilt, condemnation, sorrow, or regret of a past missed opportunity. Go ahead and worry about it for the next 10 days. Come back and talk to me and see if it did you any good. The past is the past. Repent of it. Change the way you think, and then begin to walk in the power of God from this day on. And say, as you lead me, as I'm going, I will seize the opportunities. So I feel like God wants somebody in this room to hear I am proud of you. And it's not based on what you did, it's not on your works. It's the fact that you turned your heart to Jesus and his blood covered all of your mistakes and because of that, he's proud of you. Somewhere in our life, we need to shake ourselves up and then rest under the approval of the Lord. He's proud of you. He's not the one reminding of you of your mistakes. He's not the one reminding of you of your missed opportunities. He's not the one reminding you all the stuff that you used to do. He's not a God that's looking backward. He's a God that knows the blood of Jesus has covered you, the Holy Spirit has filled you, and today's a new day. How would it be today, at lunch, at dinner, where whoever's going out because it's Father's Day, to not go worrying about what the price of the food is or if your food came on time, but to go in there with the eyesight of God who Where's your target today? Where's your target today? Today I will seize the opportunity. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we just ask by a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit that you wipe the slate clean. In the natural, we can look back at days ago, weeks ago, months ago, and years ago and recount all the things that we've messed up on, but it won't do anything to benefit us. So Father, we look to you for grace today. We look to you for forgiveness today. We repent of the way we've thought about our past mistakes. And Father, I pray that those would just give fuel to the fire to seize the opportunities you're giving us today and the next day and the next day, whether it's in our home with our children or whether it's out and about in the community. God, that you will give us eyes to see what you're seeing, ears to hear what you're saying, and the simple boldness to act out in faith. So Father, we declare our slate is clean. We receive the statement, I am proud of you from our heavenly Father. We receive your acceptance. We receive your love. We receive your satisfaction in us. We don't do any of these things to try to prove ourselves to you. We do them because you've given us something to give away today. So Father, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus, to let us be faithful with little so that we would be looked at as being able to be faithful with much. We ask for your blessing and your favor to go upon us as we go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.